following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. All right, it's been a hot minute. Whitewater season's done. We're in full swing for high school basketball. Time to roll one of these out. There's been a lot that's happened that you and I have kind of touched on sporadically here and there back and forth, but nothing that we've been able to collaborate on a podcast with. My Monday nights are now free. We don't have the quarterback club stuff, which was fun. We got some food out of it, but Stag Bowls tomorrow, which officially ends the Division Three college football season, and it has been a, a nice ride with Whitewater for these last two years, and hopefully we got more to come. But I do miss doing these and talking sports with you because talking with some of the people at the radio station about sports, it's a little laborious. Not getting, not getting a lot back from the JVL crew. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not going to single out any nope, names. No, nope, that's why I said crew. That means more than one. Yeah, I, I just kind of keep to myself, and you know, me and me and Begs are. Uh, that's about it inside the CLO studio that I generally converse with. Yeah, and uh, not exactly the breadth that uh, that you and I go into here, which is which is fine because this is a good outlet for that sort of stuff. So, this is the intentional foul. We're back, back in Studio B together. Uh, Josh and Dan, we got a lot. You got five pages worth of material because there's been that much that's been going on. We got NFL, we got NBA. I am curious because I have been passively uh, paying attention to the NBA. I'm curious about some stuff that's been going on and that I haven't asked you purposely. Uh, college hoops and some baseball. No edition of the Remember That Guy, which I still love. Yeah, we'll. I we just got too much other yeah, stuff. No. We haven't done this nope. for a while, so we'll. That's fine. We'll skip it. That's kind of a. That's a little bit of our filler stuff. Sure, um, I understand. Yeah. All right. Um, we begin with the NFL, as we usually spend most of our time uh, on this, and we'll go to the Bears first. With uh, a lot of people said that's their first signature win under head coach Matt Eberflus, the Lions. Would you say since the week before when that one was called the signature? Who win. did they beat that week? Oh, um, who did they beat Vikings. that week? Vikings. Yeah, it was the first. It was the first division win, right? Yes. For Eberflus. Should, should say that this which, now is the first two game win streak well, that's for Eberflus. But it is it is the best team they've probably beaten in his era. Mm-hmm. Which, frankly, if you've watched the Lions the last month, that's not saying much. Not really. Nah. Not compared to the first part. Bears should have beat them three weeks ago. They did not even. They didn't even get off the bus on Thanksgiving Day, <laughs> and then they had ten days to prepare for the Bears again, and and they had this performance. So, yeah, things are not going well for the Lions. Fortunately for them, the division is so bad, and they were so far ahead early on. It it probably won't matter. I don't think anybody can catch them. But um, you know, look, two game win streak for the Bears. Um. I have a I have a sneaky suspicion that 
this coaching staff will be back next year. Um, Just because of this little resurgence in the back half? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the football, it, these, these these pro sports seasons are so long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, with the NFL, I always, you know, when they had 16 games, I always liked to break them up into, like, four-game quadrants. And now you got that extra 17th game. But, you know, if you take the first four weeks of the Bears season, it was an abject disaster. It couldn't be worse. You know, getting blown out by the Packers, getting beat by 100 in Kansas City, blowing that Denver game. It was it was a disaster. Since then, they've been okay. You know, they're not a good team, but they're not dog shit. They're not the Panthers. They're not the Patriots. They're Cardinals. not the Cardinals. Shit, they're not even Minnesota. Um, they've been okay. And and in the three games since Fields has come back, um, they've been pretty good. You know, the Viking game on Monday night was was a, was a rock fight. It was an ugly game, but they won. Um, so I, I think that, you know, if you look at the totality of the season – Five and eight should have won the Denver game. Now you're six and seven. Should have beat Detroit the first time. You had them. You gave up fourteen points in the last two minutes. You'd be sitting at seven and six. So, um, and like I said, I'm not saying they're good, but relative to everybody else in the NFC, you'd be in the mix. I mean, technically, they're still in the mix, which is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, just it, it really, I mean, if you didn't know how shitty the bottom of the NFC is, that that kind of I mean, tells you a lot of six and seven oh, teams, and they're like, it's bad, you know. We're from the Packers' perspective, it's like, oh yeah, how do we distinguish ourselves from the six and seven teams? Like, this is where we are know, right now, right? Yeah, but you know, I I think that um, I think there's been enough improvement as the year has gone on from from various um, areas. That I think these guys are probably going to get another chance to come back, uh, you know, barring them losing the next four games in terrible fashion. But I don't think they will, just based on their schedule. Uh, but you know, and and as far as Eberflus goes, I've never thought he's a complete buffoon. <laughs> I I wasn't sure he was a head coach. I think he's proven he's a good coordinator. Um, but the defense is improved. I mean, the defense the first four or five games of the year was pretty awful. And that was very concerning considering the the fact that the Bears went out and spent the majority of their free agent money that they spent on defensive mm-hmm. guys, bringing in um, Edmonds and, and TJ Edwards and, and guys like that. Um, but the um, the defense has improved. The Montez sweat trade is, has been a big deal. And not because he's like Reggie White and he's sacking the quarterback three, four times a game, but He's a real pass rusher. He's a real guy that the other team has to at least go, okay, that guy's over there. We we got to know where he is. And you know, anytime you play with a uh, you play with better people, it usually raises the game of the people around them and 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 we've seen that um a little bit with the Bears D-line and and you know, it's just we've talked a million times, I'm not a football, you know, X's and O's geek, but it's kind of 
remedial stuff where if your D-line can get pressure on the quarterback, it makes the other eight, seven, eight guys on the field, it makes their job a lot easier. And the Bears' defensive backfield and linebackers the last month or so have looked pretty good, and they've been able to force turnovers, which they didn't do at all in the first half of the season. So that's all positive. You know, that 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 all seems to be heading in the right direction. Um, you know, it, again, it all kind of comes back at the end of the day to Justin Fields. And, you know, he's been up and down. And that's kind of where you got to make your big decision. <laughs> and he he hasn't made it easy on his bosses. He hasn't grabbed the job. And he's had two years to do it. But I'm not sure he's fully lost it either. You know what I mean? Um, you know, he had a great, I think one of the best plays I've ever seen him make in the game the other day on a 4th and 13. Um, he, he pulled an Aaron Rodgers. He drew the guy off sides. He got the free play. He took a shot down the field. Great throw to DJ Moore for a huge touchdown, and they go on to win the game. Um, you, you'd love to see more of that. There's also... Nine plays a game that look like a Chinese fire drill. <laughs> Are we allowed to say Chinese yeah, fire? I, I don't care. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm allowed to say it. it's my pod, our podcast, but um, it, it just looks bad. Running around, D line or linemen don't know where to block. So, eh. the number one pick is pretty much guaranteed for the Bears now, right? So, do you want to? Are, are you looking at trading out of that again? Are you looking at dumping fields and taking a quarterback and restarting this whole process? Like, or do you take somebody that's a, you know, a kick-ass offensive lineman or some other position? I, that's the fun for me looking at this from afar. Yeah. Because I'm not saying I'm waiting for the Bears to purposely screw that up. I'm just really curious which wagon they're going to hitch themselves to. Yeah, and and as maligned and and somewhat deservedly so as the Bears organization has been when it comes to that stuff, I I don't I don't think that there are very many teams in football that could sit there and go, yeah, there's a clear answer here, for sure. I, I don't I don't think there's a clear answer because I've said all along the the best case scenario for the Bears is Justin Fields grabs this job. And you can now get the first and, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever they end up getting. And you can get Marvin Harrison. And you can get the the, the good old tackle from, I think, Penn State. Or you can get the, the top edge rusher from UCLA, whatever it might be, and build start building your roster. I don't want them to have to take Caleb Williams. But I also think if I'm Ryan Poles and... I got hired for this job, and you're like, well, we got Justin Fields. Okay, let's see how he does. Then we get the first pick last year, and it's like, well, I could take a quarterback that could be, quote, unquote, my guy, or I could give Fields another year. Now you have the same chance. And can you pass on Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, Drake May, 
the kid from LSU. Can you pass on all these quarterbacks in back-to-back years? And none of them might end up being any good. We don't know. I mean, I think Stroud's Stroud has the lead player. right now. But these other guys coming out this year, we don't know. We think Caleb Williams is going to be a good player. We don't know. People thought Bryce Young was going to be a good player. He's not good. It's And, and granted, his team stinks. I was just going to say, neither are the Panthers, but yes. It has not looked good. No. So, I don't know, man. I It's, it's kind of a cop-out, but I don't even really want to make a prediction at this <laughs> point because I still think there's too much football to be played. Mm-hmm. What if they went out and sneak into the playoffs? Let's just for argument's sake, they end up nine and eight, somehow sneak into the playoffs, lose their first game to, I don't know, Philly or Dallas or whoever they would play. Is that enough to keep Fields' job? Is it just based on that? Are you basing it on how it looks? You know, because you could win these four games and he could not look very good, too. Mm-hmm. You know, there's plenty of coaches that have been fired for less, that make the playoffs, and they exit in the first round, and they had Super Bowl aspirations. The owners say, oh, we needed another two or three games. Mm-hmm. This, you know, these are not, this is not what we hired you to do. Sure. I think that in this case, in this season, would be overachieving, and I would hope administration and management would see that and say, wow, you did a, a pretty good job considering um, – that's my feeling. But you still got that shiny thing over here I on know. the side. That I, and, and that's the I thing. Know. There's that there's that I mean Ryan Poles is a young guy, mm-hmm. you know, black guy in a GM position in the NFL that that hasn't happened a lot. You know, do you want to be the GM to trade the number 1 pick 2 years in a row? That's that, that would take a lot of balls. It really would. It would take a lot of balls. Yeah. I, you're right, though, with the fact that it Fields hasn't made it easier for him. No. But he also hasn't said, I suck. Get rid of me. No. Because he has these moments in these games. And, yeah. and you guys see it as Packer fans with Jordan Lover. You're like, there will be a drive, and you're like, Jesus Christ, that was awesome. He looked fantastic. And then the next three drives, it's like at somebody's foot, over their head. Right in, to the other right team. Right to the other team. And, or, 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 you know, with, with Fields running away, no awareness. Ball gets poked out from behind, yep. and it's like, I don't know if I want to hitch my wagon to this. Yep. That's... Uh, that is just being... That's why they make the money they make. I know. You know? But as a, as a fan, that's why, you know, people say, how can you not be romantic about baseball or sports or whatever? That's what I love about this. That whole scenario that you just described, and it's not even my team. It's not my team. It's not my... Yeah, like, yeah, it might not be your team. But it's I not. Love it's it. not your money, you know? I, but I still love it. Yeah. I do. It, well, it must be mad. I don't, I don't love it. I know. <laughs> I know. I don't love it really that much right now, but I mean, it'll be fun to see how it all plays out. But, you know, as I've said many times as a Bears fan, it's like, you know, I'm not glass half empty. I'm just empty glass. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, there's just not a lot to grab onto to get it to be like, they're going to figure this out. I get it. I get it. You know, they're probably not. Right, because you don't have a good track record of to draw from. Mm -mm. I understand. Yeah. Um, so 
at least your team didn't lose to the Giants. Oof. Just after they had gotten to 500 and things were looking up. And like you mentioned, Love was looking great the last couple of weeks. They had some signature wins. And it's like, okay, we're in the right direction. This is really good. And then they go out to New York and they suck. And they sucked bad. They sucked in every facet of the game. Mm-hmm. Aside from the last drive, uh, and I went back and I watched it because I DVR'd it. I went to bed at halftime because I was so mad. And and these night games on Sundays and Mondays, if I'm working, it de- that yeah, it's tough. It, it a beg stayed up and watched the whole thing. He came in looking like a pile the next. Well, morning. and that's even worse when your team See, loses a game and, like that. And that's what I yeah. said to him. It's like I'm glad I didn't stay up because if I stayed up and it ended like that, I would have been. So mad. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone to bed because I've been pissed. So then I would have gotten less sleep and then I would have gotten up mad. Mm-hmm. It's just, so I'm glad I didn't witness it. But I went back and I watched the last trap and it's like, that that was great. Why couldn't you do that the rest of the game? The, the, the fumble that was when he got bent over and the ball got stripped out and that was out. And, and the interception that he threw across the field where the guy just floated in from the secondary and just picked it out of the air. It's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So it's like, until we can get rid of those moments, and I understand you're going to have those, even a veteran won't see a guy underneath or he'll be looking his guy across and there'll be a guy coming in from the opposite way. You're not seeing him over there. I get it. That stuff happens. But, like, just putting yourself in those situations, and and if if you can get rid of those, great, because Love has looked fantastic at times this season, like you said, but that loss, and then the Giants need to go down and kick a field goal, and they're just getting chunk plays. And the defense, like I've seen some screenshots and I watched it, they're playing so far off the ball on the line of scrimmage and it's like they're just allowing everything underneath. And Michael and I were having a conversation about this and it's like at some point, is it on the players to figure out the situation down in distance and what the other team needs? Or is it your D coordinator, your coaches not grasping that and not telling them, what are you doing Get up there and get on him so we don't allow these guys all these yards down the field to, like, it just didn't make sense to me. So who's it on? Is it on the defense, the players, or is it on the coordinator? It's really easy to to, to slam and blame Joe Barry. I get it. He has been the proverbial whipping boy for this whole defense because he's in charge of it. But don't... Don't the players share some sort of ownership about putting themselves in the right position? Well, I don't know. Can 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 the 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 captain of the defense or the Mike linebacker, whoever, can he audible the can he audible the defense? Can he say, No, no, we gotta play we gotta play up we gotta play a more not bump and run, but you know, we can't be playing this prevent ten yards yeah. off shit. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. And and to my knowledge, nobody has asked Lafleur that in the press conferences. But, which but, I but yeah, Lafleur kind of threw Nixon under the bus a little bit. I thought with a couple of his comments after the game. But yeah, that speaks to your point. But is Nixon just doing what he's told to do? Right. If he goes up and doesn't do what he's told to do and gets burned, now you're on his ass because he's not following. Protocol, the, the, the scheme yeah, yeah, right. or whatever, you know? So, yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't know and that's something how that, that works. Is, and, it's, and Michael even brought up, he brought up the last couple of coordinators, and just this has been 
something that has been like this in Green Bay when you're in these positions. These guys all play off the line. So, to me, it can't be inherent in these coordinators to all do the same thing and show the same weakness as far as the scheme is concerned. Maybe we just don't have players that are that smart if, if that's who we're holding accountable. I don't know. I just want that question answered because every time we get into this, it seems like we're doing the wrong thing. Do, it, doesn't it seem like a lot of these defensive coordinators, though, they it's almost like they're they're scared at the end of these games. Yes! It's like they're, they're so terrified of getting burned over deep. the top. Yep. Don't get beat deep. Don't get beat deep. They, don't they, get beat they, deep. They give up way too much underneath, and it just seems like time and time and like it's almost like the worst thing you can do in football is to score with a minute and a half left, right? Yep. If it's a close game and you score to go up two, four, five, whatever with a minute and a half left, it's it's almost like well, fuck, they lost. <laughs> it, it it's if, weird, if right? You have somebody competent, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. and I mean, shit, I didn't think the Giants had anybody competent, but apparently Tommy Cutlet is just, Tommy you know, he, he's just the new, he's the new Lynn Sanity in, in, in New York right now. The picture, the the video, the shots of his agent just absolutely killed me. I mean, just playing it up for all, I mean, I, I mean, serious. listen, I guess if you're thinking from their perspective, like, hey, this probably ain't gonna last. Let's strike while the iron's hot and get a little something out of it, you know? It's just it couldn't be it couldn't be more comical. But yeah. Game stunk. Packers go back they you know, they take a couple steps forward, they take a step back now with this one. And it's like now you find yourself in the six and seven and we'll run down, you know, the playoff picture and, and whatever. But now they're in a group and they make it harder on themselves. They've got the Buccaneers left. Um who else? They gotta go on the road for a couple of games. I think the Panthers are one of yep. them. I think they still got the Vikings. Um, Vikings on the road, and then, and then, the Bears. And then they end with the Bears. So yeah. it's like, those are your four games. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, I feel the same way about the Packers that I do about the Bears. They're not good. <laughs> you know, I mean, the Packers' two signature wins this season were the two previous weeks against a reeling Lions team that mm-hmm. is not playing good football and against a Kansas City team that's got some issues. Um. And you know, we, you and I talked about it the other night. the The refereeing in that at the end of that Packer Chief game was so bad. I, I you know, it, the last bad thing went against the Chiefs and for the Packers, but it was just bad. It was just bad all the way around. Um, so I'm not going to hold that necessarily against the Packers that you know they got their their home their home cooking like they want to do a, a lot of the times, but. You know, sometimes we, we, we do kind of forget when we get excited about these teams. Like, okay, well, who did they beat? When did they beat them? What was going on with that right. team? Right, what's the circumstances, you know? yes. Yep. And um, I don't know. Did, did the Packers take the Giants lightly? Maybe. Maybe. But the Giants are hot right now. They've won three in a row now, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's like, well, shit, now they're they're a 5-8 and eight team when it's like I didn't think they'd have a chance to win five games all year. So again, these 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 seasons are so long, and you know the Packers, like a lot of teams, they've got key guys hurt. Aaron Jones has not been able to stay on the field. Christian Watson has not been able to stay on the field. Jair Alexander oh, doesn't seem like he wants to play football. 
Um, and those are three of your, you know, they're three of your best playmakers. I mean, they're your two best offensive playmakers and probably one of your two or three best defensive ones. So, you know, that, that hurts. But ah, going into New York with an opportunity to really, really kind of put a foothold into the playoff pitcher, that had to be pretty disappointing for the team and their fans to not pull that Maybe one out. The first words out of LaFleur's mouth in the postgame press conference was, didn't see that coming. Yeah. Which I wouldn't have either. So Well, and, and you know, anytime you hear that, it's kind of like, well, it's kind of on you to see the possibility of that coming. You know, that's that's your job. Like, you have to prepare for, hey, what happens if this dude runs all over us? You know, what? how are we going to do, how are we going to combat this? And and Lafleur, I, I couldn't believe that he was undefeated in December. In December. Yeah, that's pretty pretty staggering over considering he's in what year five. Mm-hmm. Um but, but then the one you lose is that is one. That it one. just I, makes no sense. He doesn't seem also to be a long game type of uh not prognosticator, not viewer, but he it's hard for me to to look at him and and like you had said, it's up to you to see this or maybe anticipate what'll happen if if this goes the wrong way or whatever. He never seems to grasp that sort of situation. I, and I know I'm explaining that badly, but I think you know what I mean. Yep. He he doesn't seem to be like, well, we didn't expect this to happen because we were prepared for that, right. whatever. Yep. Well, you have to anticipate them doing other things too, not just what you do. And then it's how you respond. And if your team responds poorly, that means you didn't have them prepared. Yeah. And you have to realize, too, with some of these teams, especially like the Giants, where it's like, they ain't got nothing to lose. No. I would I would expect them to go for every fourth down. Mm-hmm. Everyone. That's how I would prepare if I was playing some of these shitty teams. It's like, dude, if they're farther than their own 35, I am preparing for them to go for every fourth down. Because they stink. They got nothing to lose. Some of these guys are coaching for their jobs. Some of these guys are playing for their jobs. They don't want the punter out there. <laughs> you know, if they lose 31 to 10 or 27 to 10, what it doesn't matter. You it know, makes no difference. All right. I've had enough of those. Um, let's go to the week that was in week 14. Thursday night football. Patriots. That's a bad loss for the Steelers. It's a bad win for the Patriots. They've already moved on from Bill Belichick. That hasn't gotten more traction than I thought it would. Because there was a report that Robert Kraft already said that we're we're going to move on without Belichick in the offseason. And then he was asked about it this week. He goes, I'm preparing to play whoever they're playing. Of course, which is the standard Belichick answer. Yeah. I I, I just that I'm so if that is true, I'm surprised Belichick would stay. For the rest of the season? Yeah. I'd be like, well, then just fire me. I, I've got enough money. It's, it's not going to affect my legacy. Something just tells me his character would say, I'm I'm not walking uh, out. Well, no, I'm not saying he walk out. But if they want to, like, if you're going to fire me, fire me. Mm-hmm. So go in and make an ultimatum? Yeah. Same I mean, I've been here for 20 years. What else am I doing? I've been here for 20 years. I've won you six, super five Super Bowls, whatever it is New England's won. I've made Robert Kraft a shit pot full of money. 
And if that's not good enough, don't string me along. Right. You know. But yeah, terrible loss for New England. Now they're they're two back of Carolina for that number one pick, and I I just don't see Carolina winning two games. I would not. Two more games. Uh, Bengals by twenty over the Colts. And who's this Browning guy? I. He just comes in for Joe Burrow and, and just has these mammoth games. Like what the hell? I don't know. I don't. What what's his name? What's his first name? Jake Browning, maybe. I don't even know who he played for in college. I don't either. Uh Browns beat the Jaguars. Jacksonville's lost a couple lately. I feel like haven't they? Or am I? Or am I? Yeah, they I'm, haven't been playing I'm, very well. Am I wrong on and that? And Joe Flacco's corpse rising from the dead. Just signed him to a one-year deal today, so he's not going down to the practice squad I again. Mean, but again, why is Joe Flacco not on a roster? Why was he just sitting at home for twelve weeks? I don't understand that. <clears throat> You've seen some of the guys that have been trotted out here this year. So somebody is playing tonight for the Chargers. I think it's their fifth e- round yeah, pick. E- Easton Stick. Who's that? Who the fuck is that? I don't know. How many quarterbacks are out there that are serviceable that would should be able to get a job more than that guy? I think I think I heard. I don't. I don't know if it was started or played, but we've had fifty nine quarterbacks play at least play in the NFL this year. It's basically every team almost backup. double, almost double. Yeah. Well, the Vikings are on their fourth one in seven games. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Unbelievable. Get, we'll get to that. Uh, Saints over the Panthers, twenty-eight-six. I mean, Carolina. I. That's not indicative of no anything about how New Orleans played. Just no. how bad Carolina is. Um, this one was a little surprising. Yeah, it was very surprising. Jets crushing the Texans. Well, I think it was zero-zero at half. Oh, really? Yeah, because it was rainy and wet. And then the Jets just went off. Zach Wilson looking like Aaron Rodgers out there. I think they scored on like six of their seven second-half possessions, and Stroud got a little banged up. They That, that team seems to – they're heading a little bit in the wrong direction, Houston. Uh, so we didn't get the game on Sunday, but Jane has the, has the serious package, so she was listening to Paul Allen, and I'm just – Puts around in the house doing other stuff, and I occasionally come in on the phone, and he says we're at the end of three, and it's still zero zero, and I just busted out laughing. Yeah, she goes, "What?" And I said, "Nobody has scored a point, seriously." And they kicked a field goal with just uh, like, like a minute. like a minute left or something. Yeah, <laughs> three to nothing. I just was. We were laughing when you and I were talking about the other night. Like, imagine being a Viking fan that lives in Minneapolis. And you bought the five hundred dollar ticket to the game. You bought a two hundred, three hundred dollar plane ticket to fly there. You probably spent a thousand dollars to stay a couple nights, and then you probably spent a couple other thousand dollars just because you're in Vegas. Vegas. So it's a five thousand dollar trip weekend trip to go out and watch your team kick a fucking field goal. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <clears throat> That's insane. That was summarized perfectly. <laughs> That's insane, man. And now the Vikings are starting somebody else at quarterback because the golden boy that they just got was terrible, and they pulled him and put somebody else in. Yep. Uh, 49ers beat the Seahawks 28-16. Didn't watch any of that? No, I, I watched uh, almost all of the Buffalo-Kansas City game. Okay, <clears throat> and that walked me through what happened at the end because I because I read some stuff, um, but it's already out of mind. So... Buffalo's up three. 
minute and a half left. Kansas City's driving. And they get called for a penalty because Kadarius Toney is lined up in the neutral zone. Saw the still shots. Okay. They don't blow the play dead. The play goes. Mahomes throws the ball to Kelsey over the middle 20 yards down the field because for some reason Buffalo was in there. Dumbass prevent. Kelsey catches the ball, is about to get tackled, and turns and throws it backwards to Kadarius Tony, who catches it and runs it in for what looks to be the go-ahead possible game-winning touchdown. So it was a hook and ladder? Yeah, but it wasn't like – it didn't appear that it was that was the play call. It was just like Kelsey was about to go down. He saw a dude, and he just threw it to him. It was a, And that was a legal play, so everybody thought it was a touchdown. But then they, say, they call the flag on the, the neutral zone infraction on Tony. And, you know, Mahomes and Andy Reid and everybody, they're all losing their shit. And Mahomes acted like an asshole after the game to Josh Allen. Him and Reid both go to the podium and whine about it. Um Andy Reid says that, um, you know, the referee is supposed to, you know, come to the coach and tell him that the guy's too close to the line and you got to get him back and yada, yada, yada. And typically the receiver checks with the ref. Well, then it came out the next day that Tony never checked with the ref. And then you had Chiefs fans like a a Nick Wright on TV who are digging into the, well, you know, in 2021 that play was only called flagged once. Last year it was only flagged twice. This year it's been flagged 11 times, but like eight of the 11 times were on on one of those tush-push plays. Mm -hmm. So it's really only been called three times. But he was in the neutral zone. You can't really debate it. And if he didn't check, that's on him. Yeah. I mean, should the referees call it at other points of the game? Sure. Sure. We've seen a lot of times this year – where they're allowing the 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 tackles to start backpedaling yes. before the ball snapped yep. and they've let a lot of that go. So there's a there's like this gray area a lot of times with with this stuff. It just so happened that the referee called it at the time. He didn't he didn't know that Kelsey was going to make this crazy ass play. Well, somebody also pointed out in that still shot um where they you just see Tony uh, lined up over the top of the ball. Right tackle's not even on the line of scrimmage. Not even close. Not He's even close. so far in the backfield. They look like, the lo- the O-line looks like a horseshoe. Right. So, like, they brought that up, like, okay, well, you got that, but then over there, that dude's not lined up either. Yeah. So, which one do you want me to call? Because that's all not right. Yep. So, Mahomes and Reed kind of had to come out and eat a little bit of crow the other day and say, well, yeah, well, you know. Uh, still don't like that that was called at that time because you didn't call it earlier in the game. Don't break the rules. That's that's kind of my thing, you know. Don't don't go, you know. Don't speed, and then get pulled over and go. But I speed here every day. <laughs> that 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 does that, 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 that's the cops not going to go. Oh oh well oh well then let me just tear up this ticket. If you if you do it every day, then it's fine. <laughs> um. Chargers are falling apart. God. Herbert broke his finger. He's done with surgery. Like we said, they're starting their fifth-round rookie pick. And the Broncos keep winning. Your Chargers. I. This is your adopted team, and they, they are as torturous for yeah. you as the Bears seem to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like I get too wound up about them. I just sit there, and I'm like, God, they got a lot of talent. I don't understand why they don't win. Uh, but, yeah, they're they're a dumpster fire. 
They're a dumpster fire. I, I, I don't know if I said this to you, but I, I was, I said it to somebody I was talking to the other day. If the Chargers called the Bears and said, "Hey, want Herbert? Give us Fields in your pick." I saw that. I saw that. I'm, uh, and I was like, "Would I do that?" I was going to say, "I probably would do that." I probably probably would now. I don't think the Chargers are going to do that um, because I I still think that Herbert's a very good player. Mm-hmm. I think he's slipped a little bit in in terms of where he's ranked right now. I think a lot of people had him as a top five guy. I don't think he's a top five guy right now. Still probably ten, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I I just thought that was kind of interesting. Like, would would you would you you got a Would that you do over. that? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, you'd have to take on a lot of money, right? But you may have your guy, and then still have something in your pocket in the draft to play with. I I don't know, but just an interesting thought. Just spitballing. Yeah. Mike McCarthy has an appendectomy earlier in the week, and then comes back to uh, lead Dallas over Philly. That was a that was a pretty good spanking. I didn't see that. And as much as I don't want to believe in the Cowboys, and I still don't, it's hard for me not to. But again, are they going to get to the playoffs and then lay an egg? I. I can't fully invest and say Dallas is the best team in the NFC now that they've crushed Philly until I see them actually do something with that notoriety. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, the last couple of years, Dak has owned Philly. The the Cowboys haven't won every game. They've put up big numbers, and he's had good games. Um, You know... I think the only way Dallas goes to the Super Bowl is if they have the one seed. I just don't see them being able to go into San Francisco and win. Um, but I think they could win at home. That defense is very good. And, you know, you got to give McCarthy credit. Guy's done a hell of a job since he's been in Dallas. He really has. I mean, Dak Prescott has had his best years of his career under McCarthy. McCarthy's had a great year himself in in taking the play calling and and doing that himself, which he was kind of maligned for at the end in Green Bay. Um, but you know, uh, it's probably the be- this is got this is probably the best Cowboys team in twenty years. I think this is better than any of the Romo teams, mm-hmm. just top to bottom. Um, I think they got a chance, okay. but yeah, it's but it's yeah, it's the Cowboys, and they, their recent history says kind of what, they're going to shit down their leg, right? You know, that's I just can't get past that. Yeah, I just can't until until they look, don't do it. I, Dak is one of those guys that like if Dak was on the Browns or Dak was on the Chargers, I think we'd be like, yeah, he's fine, right? But he's on the Cowboys, so there's this elevation of who he is and what people expect him to be. Like, sometimes he has really good games, and people are like, oh, Dak, and they're bitching about him. I'm like, dude, this guy's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Peyton Manning. He's a good player. He's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. I think he's better than a game manager. But, you know, I don't think he's the kind of guy that you go win the game. Right. You know what I'm saying? And he'll go and he'll do it. I, I don't know that any of these NFC quarterbacks, him, Hurts, Purdy, I don't know that any of them, you look at them and say, hey, dude, 
go win the game for us. I think you look at all three of those teams and you go, <clears throat> wow, they got a lot of talent. Right. They got a lot of skill guys to work with. So, And lastly, I haven't checked in with John Barry, but that is a crushing loss for his Dolphins, the other Monday night game. Are we doubling up Monday nights from here through the rest of the season except for the last week? I don't know. I don't get what the point of I this was. I didn't know that that was happening until I think Monday came, and I was like, wait, there are two games tonight? Yeah. Like, I can only watch one. I didn't even know. <laughs> well, unless they tell, unless they show you the split screen, which they were yeah. doing, which yeah. that that drove a lot of people that I know nuts. If I wanted to watch that game, I'd be watching it. Exactly. Get it, get it off of here. Yes. Uh, don't care about the Titans beating the Dolphins by one, 28 to 27. That sucks for Miami. Knocks them out of the first spot in the AFC. That's not, They've now been replaced by Baltimore. Um, the Cardinals and the Commanders had the bye. Yeah, did anybody even notice? No. <laughs> did those, their, those did their, teams, did their, their fans fan, even their notice? Their fan bases were probably glad they didn't have to follow them for a week. Um, so that brings us to the playoff picture. Go ahead and run that down in the AFC. All right, AFC. In order, Baltimore ten and three, Miami nine and four, Kansas City eight and five, Jacksonville eight and five. Those are your division leaders. Cleveland at eight and five, top wild card. Pittsburgh seven and six, Colts seven and six. That rounds out the current playoff field. So Pittsburgh and Indy have got some tiebreakers over these next teams. Houston, Denver, Cincinnati, and Buffalo are all seven and six. So you have six teams at the bottom of the AFC, all seven and six. Um, I think the only one of those teams that you could say has a realistic chance of winning multiple playoff games is Buffalo, and I think that's a stretch. Okay. I I don't think they're the same team they've been the last couple years. So um, I don't know how Cleveland keeps doing it. (laughs) I mean, they've had like four or five quarterbacks themselves. Um, Pittsburgh, I I think I heard Trubisky's going to start again this week, so pencil in an L. Um, you know, Indy, Indy's got Gardner Minshew. Who knows? Oh, Houston's relying on a rookie quarterback. Um, Cincinnati's got their backup in. I mean, really, Denver and Buffalo kind of in the catbird seat here right? for, for trying to sneak in, which is just absolutely wild to say about Denver. Oh, the way that they started out the season. They gave up 70. They gave up 70 points in an NFL game. And, you know, but, I I mean, Russell Wilson's been fine. Fine. But I think this really does go to show, like, man, if you got a good coach, they can figure out a lot of shit. A lot of shit. It took and him you, a while. It, it took him a while. But, honestly, really, though, not that long. If you think about it, or you know, it took him a month and a half, six, six weeks. weeks. Um, I think that you know they but, still get they still have a game against the Chargers. They're going to win that. It's it's just surprising that you know a lot of teams like Coach says you get into that position, you get down, and you dig yourself a hole, and they pack it in. Yeah, and they do the shuffle, and it's like, oh, here we go again, or whatever. The fact that they've come all the way back and are over five hundred. It's impressive to it's me. It's impressive, yeah. And, and you know, if you want to give Peyton the credit, if you want to give Russell Wilson the credit for being a leader, I, I can't tell you you're wrong. Right. So, um, NFC, 
Niners ten and three, Cowboys ten and three, Lions nine and four, Tampa six and seven. Those are your four division leaders. Philly at ten and three, so tied with Dallas for the NFC East, but Dallas has the tiebreaker. Minnesota seven and six, Green Bay six and seven. That rounds out the current playoff field. Rams at six and seven, Packers have the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Seattle at six and seven, Atlanta six and seven. Which is weird because Atlanta beat, beat Green Bay, Bay, so I'm not sure why they're not ahead. Must be know. a conference thing. New Orleans six and seven. Packers have the tiebreaker over, over them. them. Yep. So, um, I mean, Tampa, Atlanta, and New Orleans all six and seven in the South. New Orleans one should not make the playoffs. Atlanta should not make the playoffs. In and New Orleans is basically losing every tiebreaker. They've lost it in their own division. They've lost it with the Packers. That Packer Viking game is mammoth for for both of those teams. And it's there, which which sucks. Boy, but I I know you I just said, have a hard time believing that the Vikings are going to be able to hang on. To I that know spot. you I, and you said that the other day, and I was I was thinking about that. But then again, who's gonna, which Packer team's going to show up? I can see them going to Minnesota and beating their brains in, but I can also see Green Bay absolutely laying the giant the most biggest turd ever like they just did on Monday. Yeah. I can see. And, and to me, there's nothing in between, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be nip and tuck and somebody pulls it out. I think it's going to be, we're going to kick the shit out of them or they're going to kick the shit out of us. I just don't see it going any other way. The 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 kind of sneaky teams, the Rams. That's what I think. Because I think they can be really good if they want to be. And they're, you know, they've got a legit quarterback. Yep. They've got two legit receivers. They can run the ball. They still got Aaron Donald and a couple guys on best defense. Players on defense in the league. Yep. Good coach. Um, yeah, that that's that's the team that I could see sneaking in and, and eventually knocking the Vikings out. I still think the Packers are going to make it because these other teams, unless Seattle wins out, Baker Mayfield's quarterback at Tampa. Mm-hmm. Bryce is. Have they pulled him at Carolina? Or are they still nope, going? He's, with him? he's still going. And so you got this other Mullins is starting for the Vikings this week. Yeah, I mean that's think about that. And you then, you can go you the Bears. if you're the Packers, you could go Baker Mayfield, Bryce Young, Nick Mullins, or Josh Dobbs, or Josh knows? Dobbs, and then Fields. Not exactly a murderer's row. Neither is Tommy DeVito, but you add him to that list. Yep. So, all right, Week 15 starts tonight Boy, with we, the Chargers. Who's watching this game? And the, I don't know. Not after you get shut out at your own place by Minnesota and you only lose by three? Easton Stick versus nice. whoever the hell the Raider quarterback is. I don't is. know. I don't know who it is. I don't know. Ratings. As Chris Jericho said, <laughs> buy rates, rear ends in the seats, and rock and roll. Uh, we're down to the last couple of weeks, which means we've got Saturday games. Mm-hmm. So the Vikings play on Saturday. They go to Cincinnati. Um, you got to like against the, Mullins. You got to like the Bengals. That's in that what one. I do. Yeah. Um, Pittsburgh and Indy. You already said Trubisky, but you're going against Minshew. Mm-hmm. Flip a coin. I'm never going to bet on Trubisky. I, you'd have to put your money on Indy in this okay. one. And then. Uh, Detroit and Denver, which how, I, which which I think is actually kind of an interesting game. I would agree, you know, because how much lower can Detroit go, and how many more steps back, and how can Denver keep going forward? Yeah, 
Yeah. I, I mean, you win this game in your Denver, you're eight and six. I mean, that, that would be amazing. Who would have guessed that after six weeks? I know. Be like, no, we're looking at after they gave up top seventy and they pick. barely yep. beat the the shitty at the time Bears and yeah, crazy. Bears are in Cleveland. <sighs> well, <laughs> this is one of those ones. It's a very gettable game, but at the same time, I'm not sure how they score on this team, this defense. Okay, because the Browns, like Miles Garrett, is going to be in the Bear backfield the whole game, <laughs> and. It's just one of those things where I could see Fields getting knocked out of the game. Okay. I could see him fumbling three times. Um, but if the Bears could win this game and get to six and eight, things would start to look very, very interesting for them. So okay. Um, let's see. Tampa at Green Bay. If this game was in Tampa, I would be feeling a lot worse about it. But it's only going to be 41 in Green Bay. It's not going to be frigid, mm-hmm. and we're already going to be in the back half of December. So that's not terrible. Um, and coming off New York, I mean, I think it's a get-right game. I think Green Bay should win, and I think they will win. Um, it'll be a disaster if they don't. Let's just put it that way. I'm just surprised Baker's still the quarterback because <laughs> I didn't think he'd make it this far. Well, who else do they have? Don't know. Some guy we've never heard of. I'm Correct. Sure. They yeah. Add it to the list. Yep. Uh, Texans at the Titans, which I believe Tennessee is donning the old Euler. Uniforms. I was just going to say, I think that Tennessee should wear the home Euler uniforms and Houston should wear the road Euler uniforms. Michael brought that up today when we were talking. He said, next time Cleveland plays Baltimore, Cleveland should wear the whites and yeah. Baltimore should wear the That'd Browns. That'd be hilarious. But no one will watch this game either. Nope. Houston should win. Yeah. But Tennessee's probably feeling good after a win in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, Dolphins got to bounce back. And, again, you face the Jets. This quarterback situation about confidence and no confidence and maybe you want to be there and maybe you don't, I mean, this is kind of what you expected only with Rodgers in the seat and he's getting blasted by the media. Not having to deal with Zach Wilson in this position or whoever else they're going to start there. I have found it interesting, though, that how much Rodgers has come to Wilson's defense. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's been a good teammate. He, he has. And um, in doing so, he kind of threw Diana Rossini under the bus, and she's taking a wrath of shit from all the New York fans. But, um, yeah, I just, I mean, if Miami loses this game, just pack it in. At home to the Jets, coming mm-hmm. off of a terrible loss at home, that would be a disaster. Kansas City needs a get-right game uh, visiting Foxborough. It's a good one to get. Good oh. team to play for that. Patriots, what, they just won their third game this yeah. past week? That's yep. it? Okay. Giants at New Orleans. Who's watching that? Giants, like you said, three in a row. New Orleans isn't, I mean, they're still in the playoff picture. So either New York can keep getting back there and uh, New Orleans can strengthen their playoff hold. Yeah, I kind of feel like for the Saints, any they probably have to win out. To, to make it just because they're they're behind in all the tiebreakers. Here's a terrible one. Atlanta and Carolina. Honestly, most of these games are bad. Because most of the league's not good. You haven't starred any. No. Like you normally do because I'm not finding any that are 
Well, Dallas there's and one, Buffalo. There's, could. there's a couple at the end yeah, here. Yeah, but, there are actually. But most of the most of the week is trash. Yeah, Atlanta, Carolina, Washington at the Rams, San Francisco at Arizona. Mm-hmm. But, These are bad football games. But no, you're right. the The last couple with the Cowboys at the Bills and the uh, the Ravens at Jacksonville on Sunday night, and then Monday night Philly at Seattle. That's not that's not a it's bad, not bad. No. three game lineup to end the week. Buffalo wins this game; they're going to make the playoffs. But I don't think they're going to win. I think Dallas will win. Um, Baltimore at Jacksonville. Um, I think it's kind of a must win for Jacksonville because they have been playing. They haven't been playing well. Trevor Lawrence was pretty bad last week. I think he had three touchdowns and three picks, and they really haven't beat a good team. So I think this would be a big one. And and Seattle for me, if they lose this one, I think they're done. Okay. They'd be at six and eight. And uh they'd probably have to win out in order to be in the mix. So All right. Um anything else? No. Nothing really happened in the NFL. They no. added a game in Brazil starting next year. They're increasing this international stuff. So we're playing in Mexico City, we're playing in Germany, uh, we're playing in London. And now we're playing in Brazil. Hmm. I, I guess we're trying to grow the game. I don't know how that's happening. Well, Brazil, enjoy that um, ja- yeah, who's Jacksonville, Arizona game next year. It's amazing that Jacksonville just willingly gives up those home games. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just amazing to me. They're the Tampa Bay Rays of the NFL. Yeah. Man. Just nobody goes. Nobody goes. All right, let's go to a college football Um a lot of thoughts. Yeah, we haven't talked about this, this at all. Um, the college football playoff uh, decision to not include Florida State—that uh, was—that had a lot of opinions from a lot of different people on both sides. Um, but as it stands, you've got Alabama against Michigan in one semifinal, and Texas in Washington in the other. And a lot of people have said that no matter what Florida State. The, the roster and quarterback situation looks like they've done enough to earn that. The, the other side is the playoff committee has the best four teams in there, regardless of criteria or whatever, put the best four teams in there. And you could say without their starter or their backup, Florida State is not one of the best four teams, and you can't put them in there. And I guess that's the side that I kind of come down on. Because unless you have specifically designed criteria, which I haven't read about, I don't know what conference champions, what's winning percentage, strength of schedule, I haven't seen anything that what the committee uses to decide this. They could all come in and say, we're not including them. They don't have their starter. They're going to get murdered by these people. We need good ratings. Kick them out. That's all they would need. They wouldn't be wrong. It sucks for Florida State. But that's what they decided on. It's it's bad. We're going to do the last year for this. We're going to expand. I think it's going to create more problems like this because whenever you get to a periphery, no matter how big the playoff field is, you're still going to have these situations. It may not be as catastrophic as what just happened this year, but I think they're still going to exist. But that's what you got. I don't mind the four. I like there's Texas and Washington. There's a little new blood in there. Um, Alabama and Michigan's a really interesting first game. I'll just put it that way. Where are you at? Uh, well, I think the the 
bylaw that they're they're hiding behind the committee is that somewhere in there it says that if uh if one of the top teams loses one of their top players, um, the committee can knock them out. Oh, really? Yeah. And because Florida State lost their quarterback, and because in the two or three games since he got hurt, they haven't passed the quote unquote eye test. It gave the committee an out, which which if that's in your bylaws, I mean, there, what's what's that saying? People say um, when when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. Um, this has kind of been my my thing with college football for the last fifteen twenty years. It's not a serious sport. Um, it's um, the games themselves aren't fixed or rigged. The outcome of who they want in the playoff is fixed and rigged. Um, the ESPN, ABC, Disney, whatever you want to call it, they're in bed with the SEC. Um, yesterday or the day before, they had an SEC schedule release show. I, I saw that. Again, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. ESPN is the SEC network. And if it comes down to are we going to put in Alabama or whoever else, Alabama is going to be the team that goes in. Unless there's a unless it's so overwhelming that you can't make the argument for Alabama. If it's close, it's going to be Alabama. Now, I I didn't understand the rankings. Like, why was Georgia six? How do you go from one to six? If you lose to Alabama, who they're, who they're telling you is one of the four best teams. In the SEC In the SEC championship game, and you haven't lost a game in two years if you're Georgia. I thought the same thing. How do you drop below Florida State? I thought the same thing. Who the thing. committee is basically telling you is no good, which yep. is that's why we didn't put him in. So it just it doesn't make any sense. Um like okay. I said, it just it it they're I just don't take the sport seriously. So you put Michigan up at the top, Alabama wins the SEC, you've got Washington that's done everything, and you've got Texas which has done everything, save for one really early loss. Who whooped Alabama? Correct. Mm-hmm. So now you've got minus Florida State, you've got five teams in there. Then who are you booting out? Clearly they did Georgia, which I I mean I think you can make an argument for any one of the five. And you can really make an argument for Florida State, but if if that bylaw has been in there since this inception, and you've just been waiting to use this, and now you got the opportunity, fine. If you want to do that, I, whatever. But to even have that in there is is pretty ridiculous. To to have a playoff system where you're only allowing four teams in, but you have five power conferences is ridiculous, right? Um, like that's my that's my whole thing. The whole thing is ridiculous. I don't. I just don't take it. Seriously, mm-hmm. like if you want to watch the games and you enjoy to watch Alabama and Michigan, fine. But I don't take your sport in the outcome and the champion like it doesn't mean anything. Sure, it just feels very manufactured to me. It it brings me always back to the Tony Kornheiser line. You know, never for when whenever there's a question, the answer is always money. And whenever you watch these sports, never forget that it's a television show. And that's what they told us. Last year they put on a television show, and a lot of people turned off the television show when Georgia was fucking mollywopping TCU. That's right. And they didn't like that. 
And they didn't want that to happen again. They didn't want Michigan to play Florida State in that game and to be up 41-7 to with 12 minutes left in the third quarter nope. and have TVs across Click. America turning the channel. Yep. So, you know, if that's what your sport's all about, well, then I'm not really not interested in your sport. Okay. Just my opinion. I'm not like I'm not going to sit here and tell you how you know how bad I feel for Florida State and how they got screwed. It, it is what it is. Right. That's kind of you know. I'm at. I mean, you, you can only do what you can do, and they beat everybody on their schedule, and they schedule the SEC teams. They beat LSU. You know, so um, it's unfortunate that it came down to this, but at the end of the day, it's because it's a shit system. So I told some people this after the playoff was announced and because we were right in the thick of it and and now that I've gotten a little bit more um, in the know about how the process works and we did uh, three games, the Division Three football playoffs is amazing. Yeah, it, it just... It's amazing. I've yet to hear a compelling case from any college football fan or any of these people on TV as to why they can't do that at the D1 level. It's amazing. It makes no sense. So How many teams make it? In 32. 32. Why can't they do that at D1? Like, cut out one terrible non-conference game and just have a tournament. It's Like, it would it, talk about TV. That would be a ratings bonanza. Um, if Alabama played, I don't know, Toledo. The, yeah, Toledo's the 32nd ranked team and Alabama's number one. If you get to the fourth quarter of that game and it's 20 to 17 game. Toledo, right. are you telling me that everybody in America is not turning that on? Have you ever heard of the NCAA basketball tournament? Um, it's why everybody loves it, it's because that can happen. And I don't care if you knock off two regular season games. So, yeah, every, you don't, nobody plays their whole conference anyway anymore. Everybody gets ten, and then you play however many more weeks that the tournament takes. So the Stag Bowls tomorrow. That'll be the the fifth game that they'll play in the playoffs. Whitewater played three, and now these teams will play five extra games that are that are in there tomorrow. Uh, North Central and Cortland, but. So watching everything happen and the upsets and the home field switching, and I and I get there's some logistics and things that need to be switched around if that were to happen, but watching it week by week and doing the games and having the scoreboard up and seeing what happens and being like, oh, I didn't expect this or whatever. It's like, like you said, if you have some of these close games on some of these mid-majors that, that make it, kind of like the NCAA basketball tournament, and you're like, man. I'm invested in this. This is great. You know, I, I don't know how it wouldn't be successful. And it would yeah. settle a lot more arguments. Yeah. And, and again, you'd get to the periphery and there'd be teams that are left in the outskirts. But and again, if you're not one of the top 32 teams, you have nobody to blame but yourself. Exactly. And it's the same thing in the NCAA. If you're not one of the top 35 or 36 at large, I just don't really want to. I don't really want to hear about Syracuse going 20 and 12. Like, go enjoy the NIT, you know. But I think for football, it would be, you know, somebody like me who's a very, 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 very casual observer of college football, um, it would probably pique my interest a little bit more into 
you know, uh, a Tennessee Kentucky game where you're sitting there and you're like, okay, Tennessee's on the bubble here and they got to beat Kentucky to have a possibility to, you know, just any of those kind of things generate more interest nationally mm-hmm. than just, oh, Tennessee and Kentucky are just randomly playing an SEC game. Nobody outside of the SEC gives a shit about no, that. Nobody does. Nobody does. Um, all right. We, we, we gotta start, we're already over an hour. We got to start rolling through some of this stuff. Um, Badgers and number two. No business being in this game. No. 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 It's an embarrassment. New Year's Day against the 12th ranked team of which is led by a quarterback that won the Heisman. Yeah. What? Ne- never underestimate the, the clout of Barry Alvarez. Ugh. And never underestimate how um, stupid Wisconsin people want to fly to Florida in January. They want to get out of here. That's why they're in the game. They just Those are the two reasons they're in the we game. We now have an excuse to leave. Yep. We're going to go on. We can get all these snowbirds down here and make a bunch uh, of money off them, and, oh, yeah, Barry flexed his muscle. That's the only reason they're in the game. Because if LSU doesn't win this game by 20, something's wrong. Oh, completely. Completely. And we're starting to get guys that are uh, preparing for No, so there's no Braylon Allen. Uh, their center, Bordellini's not going. Uh, there's a bunch of guys that have already entered the transfer portal. And I wish I had more time to talk about the name, image, and likeness in the transfer portal and stuff that is all kind of uh, combined in this whole guys flipping teams that is just getting worse every year. You know, Badgers picked up a, a quarterback who's going to be their starter. You and I were talking about that at the at, at the broadcast table the other night. Like, there's a lot going on with that. I as a as a college football fan, I thought it was exciting. A lot of people voice their concerns. It's like, you're just hitting the tip of the iceberg, and this is going to go farther and whatever. At the same time, and I said this yesterday in my commentary, it's at the same time it's exciting to learn who's coming on board and disappointing to see who's leaving. It's not good for the sport. No. At all. No. At all. No. So it's really hard for me to be totally excited when it's like, this kind of sucks because the system's getting abused because there's... No regulation whatsoever. It hasn't been good for college basketball either. It, the NIL was never designed to create college free agency, and that's what it's done. That's what it's done. Yeah. Um, Drake Bay's going to sit out a bowl game, so there's another guy who's going pro. Uh, we already talked about Jaden Daniels winning the Heisman over a couple of other quarterbacks, all transfer guys, mm-hmm. by the way, mm-hmm. and then Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, who's the best player and got fourth. Right. <laughs> you know? It's just, you know, he, he wide receivers ain't winning that award. It's a quarterback award. No. Um, what's the 30 for 30? Well, did you see the about? one? They just had a 30 for 30 on last week. I think it was after um, the, the college football picks came out. Um, it was about the 97 Heisman. Uh, Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf, oh. Randy Moss, Charles Woodson. It was really cool. It was, uh, it was done um, with no new interviews. So the whole... 30 for 30 was all archival footage, which oh, was wow. pretty cool. Like all the, you know, Peyton getting interviewed in college, Woodson interviewed in college. And uh, it was really cool. It, it it was it brought me back to a time when I was a very, very big college football fan. And, I mean, just an, what an amazing season in college football. I mean, just, you mentioned all the names. But you've got a, a top five all-time quarterback in Manning. A top three all-time wide receiver in Moss. A top seven, eight, ten 
defensive back all time in Woodson. Um, and then you've got one of the biggest busts one of the of biggest busts of all time in Ryan Leaf. Like that, I'm not sure there's ever been a better foursome up, at, up, at, 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 up for the Heisman than that. So that, that was that was pretty fun to watch last night. They had when Reggie. we got home, they had the Reggie White yep. one on, which I'm going to try to watch tonight. Um, and Michael was watching it and texted me giddy things about remembering the days way back in. And he mentioned the Eagles team before Reggie came. It's a bunch of badasses oh, on that team. Man. They were if, loaded. If they'd have had an offense, whoo. Yeah. That's one of those teams where it's like, how did they not win a How did they not even get into a Super Bowl? I cracked off a bunch of names, and I'm like, oh, Seth my Seth Joyner, yes. Clyde Simmons. Clyde Simmons, yes. You know, Keith Byers, Keith Jackson. It's a good. It's a, it, was a, it was a fantastic Tecmo Super Bowl team. Eagles QB zero. That was my guy, dude. <laughs> Just running around with no name Randall Cunningham. <laughs> Chucking it downfield. Yep. All right. Uh, let's move to the NBA quick. Um, Bucks got a win last. This series with the Pacers is is this. It's kind of getting interesting and turning into a little bit of a rivalry here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Seventeen and seven, second in the East. The way you hear people talk about the Bucks, you'd think they were seven and seventeen and twelfth right. in the East. Um. Last couple weeks, they beat Atlanta. Um, they beat the they blew out the Knicks in the quarterfinal game of the play-in tournament. Um, lost to Indiana in the semifinals of the play-in tournament, one twenty-eight, one nineteen. Came back Monday, beat the Bulls by four in overtime. This Bulls Bucks thing just drives me insane because the Bucks are so much better than the Bulls, but the Bulls play. So far above their heads, whenever they see the Bucks, it's just—it's hard to explain. It's just one of those. They don't even of, have Levine. It, no, it's like what we were talking about with the Packers and the Giants. The people change, the coaches change. The Giants always beat the Packers. Don't know why. Just happens. don't know why. Um, and then yeah, last night, Bucks beat Indiana one forty one twenty six. Giannis scores sixty four, breaks the franchise scoring record. Dame uh, moves into fifth all-time in the all-time three-point makes list. Um, and, yeah, this has been this has become a little bit of a rivalry this year. They've played three times now in about three and a half weeks. Indiana won the first game. Giannis, I think, had 54, but no Dame. Um, then the second one was at the, at the in-season tournament, and I think the Bucs were very, very upset they lost that game. They did not play well. Dame was really bad. Um, Indiana was cocking off pretty good about winning that game. And then last night was the rematch, and um, Giannis got teed up early for throwing a shoulder into Halliburton, who did one of the all-time great flops you'll ever see. (laughs) Um, And that was a little bit of a message. Bobby Portis ends up getting ejected because... um, they did a, a a wrestling takedown on Giannis in the lane around his neck. Bobby didn't like that. Got teed up a couple times. Got tossed. And then, in what was one of the two weirdest things I saw and heard about last night, <laughs> <laughs> um, the first weirdest thing I heard last night was we were doing the Parker Verona boys game at Parker. And you send me a text message at about 5 o'clock mm-hmm. to tell me that Verona was going to be late making it down because they had raccoons on their bus. Yep. 
I mean, Forrest said, you know, Mama used to just chase them off with a broom. I guess they didn't have a broom in Verona to do that. So they end up canceling the JV game and only having a varsity game. I've never heard of anything remotely close to like that happening. So that was weird. Then I get home, and I'm watching the end of the Buck game. Giannis scores 64. The Bucks win the game. And then this scuffle breaks out post-game. Over the game ball. And Giannis was as mad as I've ever seen him. He looked like he was going to kill someone. Because Indiana, after the game, snatched the game ball. Um, They came out with an explanation. Rick, Rick Carlisle, the head coach, came out with an explanation after the game in the press conference that the reason they took the ball was to give the ball to their rookie, Oscar Sheboy, who had his first NBA basket. I've never heard of this happening before <laughs> in the NBA. I've never heard of – this isn't baseball. Where right. Like you get your first hit, they take the ball out of circulation. I've never heard of this in an NBA game happening. And then this morning I see uh, Stephen A. Smith and Kendrick Perkins talking about it on ESPN. Perkins, who played 15 years in the league. Stephen A., who's covered it for 30 years. They both said they've never heard of this happening before. Like, Giannis scoring 60, breaking a record? Yeah. Dame moving into fifth all-time on the on the three-point made list? Sure, he gets the ball. Never heard of a rookie getting a game ball. He also didn't make a basket. Made a free throw. Does it matter that it's at somebody else's arena, too? Yes. Giannis said that in his press conference. He said, can I just go into the other arenas now and take basketballs? Is that a thing? Um, Everybody that I've heard nationally has said the Pacers were in the wrong. This was some petty shit um, for whatever reason. I, You know, the Bucks. Adrian Griffin pulled the starters with about four minutes left in the game, and the Bucks were up like 18. And then the Pacers cut it to eight. He had to put them back and he in. Had, Giannis had his shoes off. He was at 58 points, I think, and had his shoes off. Had to put his shoes back on, come back into the game, score six more points, including a thunder dunk with about 15 seconds left. So I think Indiana was feeling a certain kind of way, and they were, they were going to be petty, and they took the ball. And... Take my ball going. Didn't look good for it. It wasn't a good look for Indiana. Let's put it that way. But I've never seen that happen in the NBA before. That was a new one. I figured you would have some thoughts on that yeah. when I woke up this morning and, and read that because I was watching some clips and there's some video and there's some audio about the scuffle in the hallway. Listen, I love it. <laughs> I love it. There's not enough of this in the NBA. There's not enough rivalry in the NBA. These two teams have developed a a strong dislike for each other. They're in the same division. Um, Indiana, you know, the Bucs are where the Pacers want to get to. The Bucs have won a title. They're a championship caliber team, and Indiana's on the rise. And they've got some young guys that are are trying to make a name for themselves. So I, I, I get it. I get it. But I love it. And, you know, I, I think that if these two teams were to meet in, say, the second round of the playoffs, I think it would be fucking fantastic. <laughs> um, you know, you got the Halliburton part of it, Wisconsin kid coming back, playing in, against the Bucks in Milwaukee. He's having his best year. So um, 
I mean, all I know is they've played three times, and I think Giannis has like around 150 points in three games against him. I mean, they got no shot of guarding this dude. And he knows it, and they know it, and that's why they're tackling. I think he shot 28 free throws last night. Yeah, 28 for 32 or something Something like that. Something like that? Yeah. 20 to 28 from the floor, I think. So it was a chippy game. Like I said, Portis gets tossed. You're shooting a million free throws. It was like a three-hour NBA game. But I'm I'm all for it. (laughs) I'm all for it. All right, so it... It seems like the season's been going for a while, even though I, I wasn't aware of their record. It seems like they've played more than 24 games. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a quarter of the way through. Uh, where are they at right now to your eyes? Um, well, I think they have some real issues. Um, you know, they have a defensive problem. And I, I don't think they have a solution right now to the problem currently on the roster. Um, You know, for the last couple of weeks, they've been without Connaughton and without Crowder, and those guys will help a little bit when they come back. But, you know, pretty much every night, the other team's guards are going off against the Bucs. That's been okay for the most part. They've won most of those games, Um, but... You know, going forward, looking forward to the playoffs, it has the potential to be an issue. Um, I'm not sure what the identity of this team is. I guess it's an offensive first team. But I think that they're going to have to become more of a defensive team as we get farther into the year. Um, I think, and I, I saw it really glaringly in the Pacer game, in the in-season tournament. I saw it a couple weeks ago against the Bulls when they lost down in Chicago in overtime. Too many possessions where the Bucks are just flat lazy. Um, you know, the Bucks are a big team, and they're an older team, and some of these younger teams like the Bulls and like the Pacers, um, they're just running them. You know, the Bucks are scored. There was a play in the in the in-season tournament game against Indiana where Beasley got the ball at, like, half court. It was like a semi-break. He got to the free throw line, made a shot, and he kind of stood there and admired it for a second. And Brooke Lopez was kind of standing next to him. Indiana got the ball in, was down the court, and had already dunked the ball before Lopez and Beasley even got back on half court. That's unacceptable. That's just lazy. Um, so they got to figure that out. The Giannis Dame thing has been good, but not great. It hasn't been as good as I expected. I think it's been difficult for Giannis to play with a guy like Dame, his style. Um, and I think it's been difficult for Dame to kind of figure out where he fits in as the number two guy for 44 minutes of the game, but then the number one guy for four the last four. I think it's been hard for Middleton to to find his spot as the third guy on this team. Um, this is a guy who was used to being the playmaker down the stretch, and now he there's three, four, five possessions in a row. He's not touching the ball. So that's been an adjustment for him. The Adrian Griffin thing hasn't been smooth. It's been clunky. Bobby Portis challenged him nicely 
after their loss to Indiana in the end season tournament about being better and being um, more connected at the end of these games. Um, you know, and and there's still the the issue of the roster construction. I'm not sure they've got the personnel in se- in a seven game series to guard Jimmy Butler, to guard uh, Tatum, to guard Jalen Brown, to guard Halliburton, to guard Donovan Mitchell, to guard Brunson. Like, I'm not sure. I think at the end of the day, the best thing the Bucks have going for them, other than Boston. Nobody's got two guys. Everybody's got a guy. All those guys I just named. But Boston's got, and I don't even know if I'd put Jalen Brown in the same category. They've got a guy and a half, and then they've got a couple other really good players like Porzingis and Holiday. At the end of the day, the Bucks are still going to have the two best or two of the three best guys on the floor in every game that they play in the playoffs. So that's where... I'm kind of at at the quarter pole here. Okay. You know, we'll, you know, still 55 games left. A lot, right. lot can happen. Uh, they play the Pistons on Saturday who have lost how many in a row? 20, 21, 20 or 22, something like that, Boy, which is just unbelievable. That's bad. Um, then they play the Rockets with a quick turnaround on Sunday. Yeah, and this is all they've played two, um, two more this week and then two next week, all part of a six-game homestand. And um, I, it's time to put Giannis in the MVP talk. Okay. 32 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal and a half, 1.3 blocks per game. He's shooting 62% from the floor, <laughs> which is incredible. So I know everybody loves Jokic's triple doubles, and the media, for some reason, is in love with Embiid. But it's time to start looking at Giannis as, as getting back in this conversation. All right, around the league, uh, saw the Pacers get to the um, the tournament, uh, in-season tournament finals, and then the Lakers beat them, and LeBron gets MVP. Uh, what, I guess at the end of this whole thing, what is it meant? What, what does this mean? How does it work? What's the point? Players, I saw Lillard come out. Everybody want, all the players want to make to Vegas because they want the money. Because mm-hmm. there's money associated with it. Mm-hmm. So that's the only motivating factor for them. What does it do for anybody else? What does it mean for the fan? For me, it didn't mean a lot. I, I'm fine with it. I, I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm watching these games anyway. So for me, it doesn't really matter. Bucks are playing. I'm watching. Exactly for for the casual guy. Does it up the interest a little bit? Maybe. Um, I did. Did were were a couple of those games a little bit more intense? Maybe. I think the final four. I think the Buck Pacer game was the Laker Pelican game was terrible. It was like a 35 point blowout. The Laker Pacer game in the championship wasn't a very good game, um, so I, I I'm fine with it. Uh, there's some tweaks they got to make. Um, I don't think how much you win by should necessarily determine who who wins a, and who gets a wild card out of these groups. I'm not crazy about that, so it was okay. okay. Um, I just want to say, um, as I like to do. I like to throw water on LeBron and his and his cronies. Um, so the Lakers win the tournament. LeBron gets the MVP. 
Just want to tell you who they beat in their six games. So they beat Phoenix one time without Booker, one time, both times without Bradley Beal. They beat Utah, who's like the third worst team in the West. They beat Portland, who's the second worst team in the West. And they beat Memphis, who's the worst team in the West. That was in their in their bracket. Right in their pod. Then they played Phoenix again without Beal in the quarterfinals. Um, and then they beat New Orleans, who's 12-11, and 11, and Fat Zion in the semifinals. And then they beat Indiana, who's like 13-9. and nine. So... LeBron gets his MVP. The NBA gets to trot him out and put a crown on him and pretend like this is a big deal. Real basketball fans know this doesn't really mean shit. Um, and they didn't beat anybody any good. If they'd have beat the Bucks in the finals, I'd have tipped my cap and been like, okay, you beat the Bucks. Good for you. You beat nobody. So there's that. I like it. Um, the other thing I didn't understand, why did they play the Buck-Indiana game at 4 o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah. I don't know. That made no sense. You take the two Midwest teams and you start the game when most of the people in the Midwest are still at work? Yep. Made no sense. Um, Boston leads the East 17-5. Minnesota leads the West 17-5. We don't need to really go through the standings more than that. I do want to say I feel a little bad for Zion. Guy's taking a lot of shit, man. I mean... Stephen A. Smith said the other day that he's talked to chefs in New Orleans that are looking for Zion on the streets because they think he'll eat everything on the table. Oh, my God. Um, the guy's like 23, 24 years old. Um, he's a big guy. He's going to struggle with his weight. He's like a Barkley. He's just never going to be thin. I mean, you're a big guy. I think you I'm can, never you can appreciate you can go on a diet, lose 15 pounds, and you're still going to look like a big guy because yes. you're a big guy. That's it. Um, I, I think you, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not anti-mental health, but I'm also not like, oh, we got to watch out for their mental health. But you wonder why some of these athletes do get fucked up. Like Zion Williamson for the first 19 years of his life, and certainly for the first 10 years of his basketball life, had never heard anything but praise. And then he gets to the NBA, and he's constantly getting called a fat ass. You know, like, Shaq and Barkley have taken shots at him at times. Like, I love those guys. Why don't you reach out to him? You know, and Shaq did say the other night, you know, he talked about some of his own struggles of of conditioning and, and being a big guy. Well, it's like, hey, dude, reach out to this kid. Instead of ripping on him and be, making fun of him. Be a little bit of a mentor. Be a mentor. You know, be what, um, you know, Barkley talks about Moses Malone telling him the reason he didn't play is because he's fat and lazy. Well, go be Moses Malone for Zion. But at the same time, maybe these young guys don't want to hear from him. I don't know. I don't care about Charles Barkley. I don't care about Jamal O'Neal. I don't know. I don't know. Could be. But, you know, as a basketball fan, I think everybody wants to see Zion. Succeed, sure. You know, nobody's rooting against him. No, because it's better for the league. For sure. So, uh, Dream on Green, uh, I know Bear had a commentary this morning about him. I didn't listen to Ooh, it. Oh, he did. I didn't get to hear that. Um, I can send it to you tomorrow. If you yeah. Um, suspended indefinitely, again, for physicality. Basically how, a backhanded punch to the face of Yusuf Nurkic on the Suns. How much more opportunity do you give this guy before you just say, you know what, you're not good for our league? 
Yeah, I honestly, um, he's been enabled a lot over the last five or six years by people in the media, uh, his teammates, his coach, coach. Steve Kerr. Um, they've they've hidden behind the fact that they were winning championships, and you know I heard, I heard some people compare him to Rodman. Like Rodman wasn't hurting other players. You know, Rodman Rodman headbutted a ref once. Rodman kicked the cameraman yep. once. But he wasn't actively hurting other players. He was fucking with them. He would I think Alonzo Morning tells a story of like they were going out for the tip one time and like Rodman walked over and just grabbed his ass. <laughs> and like if you know anything about Alonzo Morning, like man's man. Don't touch man, me. Man, grown ass man's man. Like don't like what the fuck. <laughs> just 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 the head gamey type stuff right. that Rodman would do. Rodman screwed with Carl Malone all the time, but he didn't. He wasn't kicking people in the balls. Although he did kick the cameraman, but right. he wasn't kicking players in the balls. He wasn't punching. guys. Wasn't going Grayson Allen around a pick and doing a little right. backhanded slap right to the sack. Right. Wasn't doing that. So, you know, and I heard a couple people say, you know, the union represents more players than Draymond Green. And at what point do you start to look around and go, we've got 449 other guys that we got to look out for their safety. We can't be worrying about Draymond Green. We can't keep, you know, 2015 is over. I don't care that you want a title then. You know, Draymond has said many times, I'm going to be me. I'm not going to change. Well, listen, I don't know who gets to go through life and not change and not evolve. I can't act the way I did when I was 21. I'd get fired. You can't act the way you were when you'd get 21. You'd get divorced. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to, as you grow up, you have to evolve. What I think a lot of this is, is he just isn't very good anymore. And, you know, this is kind of what happens sometimes with guys. Um, You know, if you were ever uh, a high school or a college athlete and maybe you went and you played down at the Y against some dudes in their 40s and you start kicking their ass, what do they do? They cheap shot you. Right. You might get an elbow in the ribs. You might get tripped going to the basket because they're pissed off because they can't can't compete the way they used to. And I think that's what we're seeing with Draymond. I'm glad he's suspended. Um, I feel bad for Steph Curry. Uh, because th- that team is the last two years has just been de- completely derailed by Green and his antics. You know, uh, they they have the highest payroll in the history of American sports. Golden State, their owners have to be furious. I don't know. I don't know how much. I don't know how much more they or the league is going to take of this because, you know, this is the twenty twenties now. This ain't the nineties. You can't do the shit that Rodman did and get away with it like you could then. Mm-hmm. There's just too many eyeballs on you. There's too many opinions, too many you know, opinion shows, podcasts, YouTube, whatever. It's The end of the road is coming quick for, for Draymond. And if Golden State decides to cut ties with him, I'm not sure who's going to want him. Somebody will grab him. Somebody always, somebody in every league always grabs somebody that has a they, checkered they, pass. They will, but it won't work. No, I'm not saying that it will. It's like when Rodman left the Bulls and he was on the Lakers for a couple of weeks, and then he was on Dallas for two weeks, and it's just kind of like you got to find the right. Nobody wants to put up with no, this shit. You're right. So you're right. 
All right, we're running up against the clock. We got to breeze through some college basketball. Uh, your Marquette Golden Eagles, um, boys, uh, tough matchup with St. Thomas tonight. Yeah, um, they're eight and two. Got a good win against Shaka's old team, Texas. They beat Notre Dame. We'll get to the Badger game in a minute because Wisconsin right now cracked the uh, top AP in the top twenties. Um, they're at twenty three. They're seven and three. They got a win over Marquette. They beat Michigan State, which now what three straight in East Lansing, I think, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go to Arizona, the number one team at the time, and they get their doors blown off, killed. Yeah. Um, so and then they have Jacksonville State tonight, the Gamecocks, which they moved up that game so they could uh, everybody that's Badger fans could watch the volleyball national semifinals. So. I know you were of most particular interest in the Marquette-Wisconsin game, uh, which was an 11-point win for the Badgers. Yeah. um, Unfortunately, Marquette came out and and was not ready to play. We're not ready to play. Uh, I don't know why. I wonder to myself, 11.30 game, 11 o'clock game, whatever it was, I wonder, do they drive over that morning? Do they stay the night before in Madison? I question. don't know. I'd be curious to know. Not a long drive, but still. That so, means you're leaving early. Yep. Um, whatever they did, I would not do that next year <laughs> or next time they play in Madison because they were not ready to play. I don't know if they took the Badgers lightly or or what. Um, they they shouldn't have because it's a rivalry game. Um, you know, I, I give the Badgers credit. They came out and, and they played um, – they played a really good first half. Max Klesman had the greatest seven-minute stretch of his basketball career. He made five threes in the first half. I think he came into the game like one for 12. He had 21 points at halftime in the uh, two games since then. I think he's got a total of seven points. Uh, total fluke. But, you know, you get into these kind of games – Rivalry games, weird shit happens. That's why you got to be ready to play. Right. And Kolick was bad. Igadara was bad. I don't know if there was some residual hangover for them from coming back from Maui. Who? I'm not here to make excuses. They got outplayed. Marquette's clearly the better basketball team. But that day the Badgers outplayed them, so you tip your hat to them. You move on. It's not going to be a disastrous loss for Marquette. It's a it's a nice win for the Badgers when it comes tournament time. Um, yeah, and and you could tell this last week Marquette was pissed off because they absolutely beat the shit out of Texas, who's a good team, and then they embarrassed Notre Dame Saturday night. I think they were up twenty one to two, um, and uh, Notre Dame very young, a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing. Just they just weren't ready for that. Um, so it was nice to see Marquette kind of right the ship here, heading into uh, what should be a gimme tonight against St. Thomas, yeah. and then uh, both of these teams head into exams now for yep. a little bit. Badgers beating Michigan State. Um, Michigan State's not that good. Not that good. Like that, that they're and that is the, the quietest the, the, that I've seen that arena the, in a long time. Yeah, their program is, and you know this happens. These coaches get older. Tom Izzo's not in his forties anymore. He's in his sixties. And, you know, Michigan State's, they're still a solid program. Don't get me wrong. I'm not shitting on the Badgers' win here. But this isn't the typical Michigan State team that we have come accustomed to see. Right. And then the Arizona game, that was just a buzzsaw. Um, 
That was just a different caliber of athlete the Badgers just couldn't couldn't compete with. I didn't watch any of it. I was busy watching the D3 semifinal between Wartburg and North Central because John Barry was like, why wouldn't you watch the Badgers against the number one team in the country? Because I don't want to watch a blowout. Most points given up by a Badger team since 95. Hope he had you know fun who watching the, You know who was the coach? Stan Van Gundy. <laughs> that's, that's how long ago that was. That's crazy. Long-ass time. Yeah. All right, so both teams play tonight. Um, non-conference, I think the Badgers have one more non-conference game. I think they play Chicago State, who pulled off an unbelievable upset last night at Northwestern. Oh, wow, did they really? And Northwestern just they had just a big win and got, got in the top 25. Yep. Yeah. And then they just lost at home to Chicago State. I was a little surprised the Badgers stayed in the top 25 after losing on the road like they did to Arizona. but Number one team they, that carries some that, weight. It doesn't matter, right. but... Uh, all right, last uh, little bit here. We'll do some baseball. Um, yeah, I didn't. Wade Miley's back. It's, that's great. One year. Um, glad they got some some arms. Uh, after Woodruff was not offered a contract, Telez just signed with the Pirates. Mm-hmm. So they're going to sign him, or, or going to see him, rather, for the season. The Churio thing is very fascinating to me because it's the most money that's ever offered to a baseball player that has not played at the major league level yet. And that's that's putting a lot of chips. That's going all in in the middle of a, of a poker game. Mm-hmm. With You're not really sure what everybody else has, but you're banking on the fact that we have a pretty good idea that we're going to win this. I don't know how. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's 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 interesting. That's a that's a good word for it. I mean, it's kind of following the Braves model. They did this with Acuna. Um, you know, I it's 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 eight year eighty two million, but I think with um, with some kickers and some some you know statistical things that he meets during the contract, it can get as high as like one fifty. Um, I think it's a worthwhile gamble for the Brewers. I think when you look around the league and you see what some of these top-tier guys are getting, um, this is the only way you're going to be able to hang on to a guy like Achurio if he if he ends up being what he's projected to be. Um, he's either going to go into the year as the number one or the number two prospect in baseball. It's between him and Jackson Holiday on, uh, on Baltimore. So... Everybody pretty much is in consensus that he's going to be a very good pro. Is he an MVP-level guy? We don't know. You never know until these guys get here. Um, But I think it's a worthwhile gamble for the Brewers. Um, You know, the only way I think it doesn't work out is if he gets hurt. Because at the end of the day, even if he doesn't turn out to be a great player, it's only $10 a year. Right. It's not that bad. Right. So, um yeah, I, I like it from the Brewers' perspective. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about them possibly trading Burns and Adamas. Right. I don't I don't know that that's going to actually happen. I would like it to happen, but I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. So they're just going to lose them and get the compensation? Well, they may they may wait to trade them in July. That, right. You oh, know? you're talking this offseason. Got it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, but... The Otani contract, $700 million for 10 years, with most of it being deferred money. Uh, like you know, 95%. Yeah. We, we've we talked about the Brewers, and, and you know, we I get tired sometimes of the excuse-making of we're a small market team, we're the 30th in revenue, we can't do this, we can't do that, blah, 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 blah. It gets tiring to hear. Sure. But it is factual. 
And when you see something like this, this contract, it really does hit home to you. Like the Brewers are never going to win the World Series. They can't compete. They can't. You can get lucky like the Royals did and maybe have a two-year window where you got a chance. Or you could get lucky like a Tampa Bay has and make a make a miraculous World Series run. That could happen. But practically, it's probably never going to happen because you're going to have these other teams that can shell out this kind of money. And this deferred contract shit is garbage. It's garbage to me. And I know the Brewers have done it. They did it with Braun. I think they're doing it with Yelich. I don't like it. I think it gives a ridiculous... If, if the big market teams are going to be able to do this shit, it's completely unfair to the rest of the league. Because essentially, it doesn't they're going to pay Otani $2 million. It doesn't handicap you. No. It doesn't affect your current ability to sign anybody else on the roster when, in reality, it should take up so much of your money where you have to balance everything yes. and put together a puzzle with what you can afford and fill in the spots with players that fit those slots. Yep. And now, that model doesn't exist because he's not owed this money right it, away. It, it circumvents all of the checks and balances right. that they've put in here to try to have some level of, I don't want to say parity, but equal opportunity Competitive to win. balance. Competitive balance. That's a better phrase for it. Um, it's, it, you know, it, it's just not right. It it it's kind of makes a mockery of the whole thing to me. You know, you shouldn't be able to have Wookie Betts, Shohei Otani, Freddie Freeman, uh, you know, the, I'm sure they'll, you know, they still got Kershaw, whether or not he comes back. They've probably got the capital in their minor league system where if they wanted to trade for Corbin Burns, they could trade for him and give him $200 million. Like, it, this isn't how it's supposed to be set up. And I just don't think it's very good for the league because it ends up with too many <clears throat> too many situations like Kansas City, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, um, Florida. You know, these teams that we can get lucky if all of our young guys somehow peak at just the right time in the same year, we can maybe make a run, but the next year we can't. Right. We, we, we have to now become the Dodger farm system, and that stinks. It stinks. I, I just think the deferred money, they got to fix that. they got to find a way to fix as that. As much as it's funny about – uh, hearing about another like possible Bobby Bonilla and and making because Bobby Bonilla day is entertaining to the to the random fan because every time it pops up you're like oh yeah remember that but that's, that's right now but that's like a million right he's getting like a million Otani's gonna get like 70 million yeah. and I don't care about the Dodgers in 2034 Show- I, I care about the fact that right now that the Brewers aren't gonna be able to compete with them Shohei Otani has a higher net worth than Mark Atanasio. Just let that sink in. That's where we are in baseball right now. You have a player who is worth more money than an owner of a team. And it's probably not just Atanasio. He's probably worth more than the guy that owns the Pirates. Or the guy who owns the A's. Oh, fuck. Absolutely. Big cheap ass there. Jesus. All right, we've covered a lot of ground. That's an hour and 40-minute episode of the Intentional well, Fall. Good to be back. We, we, owed, we owed the people. Yes, that's true. We've I've been asked, you guys ever do it a podcast again? Yes. We'll get there. 
We'll get there. Things are slowing down a little bit. We'll find some time. Too we many, won't wait as too long. Too many raccoons in my basement. I couldn't. I couldn't get it done. <laughs> Call animal control. <laughs> All right, thank you for listening and downloading. Hit the subscribe, and uh, please tell your friends about us. We'd always love more feedback and more listeners, all that stuff. Uh, Appreciate you hanging in with us as long as you did. Um, Until sometime, hopefully soon, I'm Josh. I'm Dan. We'll do it again for you. Have a good one. Stay hot, Bucks.